This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 53rd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Cameron, that's a little bit more of a perplexing question than it normally is, uh, but I normally say I'm doing great, but it seems a little weird to say that on a Missouri Sports Podcast uh, yeah. this week, but... Uh, I am, I'll say that I'm doing, I, I am prepared today because normally I show up to the podcast, uh, just kind of, just kind of wing it a little bit, but today you do, I, I have, never noticed. I have brought some notes today oh, of, wow. of some thoughts that I have on Mark it down uh, episode 53, Kyle on, brought notes. I've, I've brought some notes, uh, in addition to our show notes. So we're about to go in on some people today. Uh, but that, that's how I'm doing. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. As you can see, I got my Cam Newton Carolina Panthers jersey in you the mail. You look amazing. I'm ready for football season. Um, I don't know if we'll have time this week, but I have an issue with the NFL right now. I can I can just summarize it really quick. I bought this jersey, and first of all, their shipping options were atrocious. I'm used to Amazon Prime just included, two-day shipping. It's here before you know it. And it was like seven to 10 business days for this. It was free though, the shipping was, so not a big deal. But then once I completed the purchase, it gave me like five or six promos. It was like, thank you for your purchase. Now you can get a week free of uh, HelloFresh meals. And there were like five more. It was like Dollar Shave Club, one month free with your purchase. I was like, is the NFL really like hurting for money that they have to like sell ads basically on their purchases in their store? Then we got the package today. There was a coupon in there for $100 off a wine club. Were these things like baked into your your purchase? Yes. Interesting. So like I said, I, it just really threw me off because... Is that NFL official? Yeah, NFLshop.com. Wow. It's really bizarre. It's Colin Kaepernick, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's got the uh, NFL scared. They don't know where their money's going to come from. They're really hurting, I'm sure. Yeah, but I thought that was weird. Anyway, this is a well. The, the, the jersey looks great. Thank you. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about Mizzou football and basketball. This week, unfortunately, we have to recap a terrible loss, and we do have some news. But I don't want to keep anybody waiting. I think we should just jump into this recap because there's a lot to talk about obviously it was very disappointing Missouri Tigers lost their uh, opening game to Wyoming 37 to 31 Um, I'll kind of go over some of the more important things that happened Kyle feel free to jump in at any time I'll pause and uh, we'll kind of go over uh, the different events that that transpired so um, everything started out great Missouri jumped out to a 14-0 lead after the first quarter. That uh, that quarter featured Kelly Bryant's first ever touchdown pass as a Missouri Tiger, uh, Larry Roundtree's first touchdown of the season, 
and three punts by the Wyoming offense. And uh, in the first quarter, they totaled 10 plays for 23 yards. So everything looked fantastic. I had a smile on my face, and everything was going according to plan. Yeah, this game literally started off just about as good as you could possibly ever hope for. And I actually think that it was a detriment almost to Missouri because I think they went into autopilot mode um, right off the bat after jumping up to a 14-0 lead. Um, I mean, it looked like Wyoming was not going to be capable of doing anything, and it looked like Mizzou could sleepwalk and their offense would still score 50 points. So I was really impressed already by Kelly Bryant. It looked like he was commandeering the offense very well. Everything looked very peachy. Had a couple nice runs. Yeah. Unfortunately, the second quarter of this football game is one of the worst quarters of football I've ever seen in my life. Um, It started out with Wyoming finally putting a drive together, and they got a uh, (laughs) 19-year-old field goal uh, to to cut the lead to 14-3. So hot in here. Is that so funny? <laughs> oh my gosh! Like a second later, and I would spit this water out. It was like the like glass was like almost to my lips whenever you said that. The sweat on your forehead. Oh, it is so hot in here. This jersey's not helping. <laughs> you look great though. Yeah, I'm sure I look great, drenched in sweat. Nineteen-year-old. <sighs> All right, let's focus in. Focus in, focus up. 19-yard field goal for their first score. So it was 14-3 to Missouri. Then on Missouri's next offensive possession, uh, it only lasted three plays. Kelly Bryant fumbled, and it was returned 30 yards for a Wyoming touchdown. So, boom, it's 14-10 to Mizzou. Uh, stop me anytime you want to talk about something specifically. Uh, Missouri's next drive was a three and out. And then Wyoming's second play of its drive was a 61 yard run, uh, by running back Valade. So that was a touchdown and that put Wyoming in front 17 to 14, just like that. Uh, barely any time had gone by in the second quarter and Missouri was trailing. Yeah. The Kelly Bryant play where he, uh, gets completely upended and fumbles. Uh, that's just gotta be. A play where he, I don't know, just has better vision and better he, ball security. He's got a well, true, yeah. He's got a hold I on mean, the ball, yeah. But clearly, like it, the play was going nowhere. Yeah, getting he, tackled he just right there is not a big deal. Right, yeah. right. It's probably like a three or four yard loss if he just finds a way to get down. Uh, but that obviously didn't happen. So then the Missouri offense drove deep into Wyoming territory with the help of a 32 yard completion to Albert O but they had to settle for a field goal from the five-yard line to tie it at 17. So when you're making mistakes and then you still settle for field goals inside the opponent's 10-yard line, that just, you you can't afford to be doing both, basically. And it hadn't even gotten crazy yet. No. (laughs) So um, after that field goal, they tied it up, but that didn't last long because Wyoming's next possession was only one play long. Quarterback Sean Chambers ran on first down for a 75-yard touchdown, making it 24-17 Wyoming. Um, Another big play from Cam Scott, uh, this time a 35-yard reception, set up first and goal from the Wyoming six. Larry Roundtree tried to pound it in, but he fumbled, 
and that ball was recovered by Wyoming and returned 80 yards. Uh, Time actually ran out in the first half, but uh, Kelly Bryant's touchdown-saving tackle was penalized, and that gave Wyoming an untimed down for a chip shot field goal to make it 27-17 at halftime. Yeah, so Wyoming scored like 10 points in the like final two minutes of the game, or excuse me, of the half. I think we had the ball with like two minutes left, and somehow Wyoming took a you know scored 10 points uh, in that in that period. So uh, this just seems to be a, a theme for Barry Odom teams where when something goes wrong, everything goes horribly and miserably wrong everything that could possibly go wrong happens and things that you could barely even fathom in your mind start to happen when Larry Roundtree fumbles and and the player you know is right there just perfectly into his arms and you know returns it almost all the way back and then and then of course as time expires he you know Kelly Bryant who made an incredible effort yeah uh, I mean you got to just be happy that he made the tackle right it and honestly, that horse collar tack, uh, call was a little weak because yeah. I don't think he actually brought him down by that. Um, he did grab a hold of it, but that's that's besides the point. It happened, and um, I think all in all, like that guy recovering that fumble, it just bouncing right into his hands. Yeah, he was right with there. With nobody on it. around him. Yeah, we're lucky that it was only three points. Yeah. So. At, at this point, this is where some of my questions start to come in. Where, why why do we respond so horribly to adversity? Why did we automatically go into autopilot whenever it looked like we were going to have the advantage in this game? And um, I don't know. Is, whose responsibility is it to, to rein the players back in? Because you start to think about other games in Barry Odom's recent history, like South Carolina, Kentucky. When, when one thing goes wrong, why does it just avalanche into a, an absolute disaster of a quarter where it's just so disastrous that we can't recover and it's honestly kind of amazing that we had a shot to still win this game at the end uh and we'll get there in a minute but there's just so many back-breaking mistakes in this quarter that it's just almost unbelievable yeah it seems like the on a game-to-game basis they do an okay job bouncing back from a tough game but within one game they can't get over big mistakes yeah and like you said just snowballs and they i don't know if it's just a thing in their head as far as the getting off to a fast start and then kind of imploding <clears throat> from there i think that's part of the problem with a f- with the first game of the year i mean you're thinking you know we got to get off to a good start got to get off to a good start you know the fan base is all hyped up for this season they do get out to a fantastic start and they think i, I mean if i was playing or if i was coaching even even though you want to be pressing them the entire game to give it 100%, don't mm-hmm. back off. Getting up 14-0 in the first game after all this hype and all this pressure, you're probably just naturally going to kind of give a sigh of relief right. and just be like, okay, we... I did that myself exactly. watching the game. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very much feast or famine uh, with these teams in the last couple of years. It's either as good as it can get or as terrible as you can imagine. So it's, it's definitely concerning. And when you look at... Uh, the Missouri defense, because that's going to be something that gets talked about a lot, um, has already been talked about plenty after this loss. Obviously, you got those two huge plays, the uh, touchdown run by the running back, Valaday, and then also the 75-yarder from the quarterback. I mean, it, obviously, when you talk about taking plays away, well, they actually happened in real life, but those two plays 
were a ton of Wyoming's offense for the whole game. They couldn't do anything through the air, not that they needed to or wanted to, but I don't know, to, to blame it all on the defense like some are doing, I, it's just impossible for the defense to overcome the type of mistakes. They can actually overcome mistakes by the offense, but they can't overcome those mistakes being so lucky for the opponent. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, definitely the offense made some some crippling errors, definitely. And I, but I also think that some of those plays are almost – just as inexcusable by the defense like the, the their quarterback really was not very fast I don't know how he broke for a 75-year touchdown and I, I'm definitely not a, uh, a football expert uh, X and O's wise by, by any stretch of the imagination but I just have to wonder you know why how we're lining up like how does it make sense you know where it's like we know they're going to run the ball every time but and we, we kind of stacked the box but the, the misdirection that they were doing just yeah they're completely using some, baffled some pre-snap motion line, yeah. that seemed to really confuse them which is really frustrating. So, um, so twenty-seven seventeen at halftime, uh, Missouri opened up the second half with a, a great drive, and it had another big chunk play through the air. Jalen Knox reeled in a thirty-two-yard reception, but that drive ended with an offensive a pass interference on an Alberto touchdown, and then Kelly Bryant threw one of the worst interceptions you will ever see in your life. Yeah, <laughs> as far as like situationally and just yeah how it looked it was truly like reminiscent of some of those terrible mistakes that maddie mock made you know but i think it may have been even worse than some of those yeah, the that i saw maddie mock arm punts yeah exactly so yeah I, just for kelly bryant being as experienced as he is and uh i mean he's a super smart mature guy i mean not to say that he isn't but just that play really baffled me uh that he that he would make that kind of mistake because it really just seemed like he was going to go home run or nothing there and that's what he did so um definitely going to have to work on in-game decision making and I, I don't know that that's a common mistake for him it might it might have been a little out of character I don't know but uh definitely a pretty pretty poor choice there yeah I mean I think he's known for being pretty safe with the ball yeah and not turning it over so I think that was just a case of maybe not seeing a guy or just you know it's just almost the panic of of getting behind in the game it's like okay we got we got to make a comeback right now maybe took over him i don't know but um back to that alberto penalty that was (laughs) i mean i think that that was definitely a penalty i think the defender definitely sold it but like the i didn't really care for the uh cbs sports network announcers but they were right on with this one where they said that it was totally unnecessary. Like you didn't need to push off even a little bit. You didn't even need to use your hands there to touch the defender. Just turn around, kind of stick your butt into him like you're a basketball player and you're going to come down with that ball every time. Yeah. I'm going to be completely honest. I uh, tuned out the announcers pretty early, which is something I, I usually just stick through it and I just endure it. But I just couldn't do it for some reason with these games. I was just doing other th- listening to other things. Yeah, I think the uh, CBS Sports Network is like your official home for – uh, Mountain West Conference football so oh really uh, it seemed like it they yeah. were really hyping up the Mountain West the whole time and talking about their big wins uh, <laughs> in week one and I think that they wanted to add this game oh to I'm that. sure I'm sure they did so that was a really disappointing drive obviously ends with a turnover and then Wyoming capitalized they went 80 yards and 11 plays for a touchdown to make it 34 17 and this is 
officially the point in the game where I gave up. Yep, me too. <laughs> uh, down 17 points. I thought, well, much this time left. sucks. This is probably over. This is a Missouri loss in week one. And I was getting really upset. <laughs> yeah, understandably so. We waited all, all offseason for this. Yeah. You know, we hyped up this offseason. Uh, you know, we hyped up Kelly Bryant. I, I think that he, Kelly Bryant was still probably one of the best parts of, of Missouri's performance. And but I think I, he was the most talented player on the field for either team. Right. I, I, I think he still played a heck of a game despite a couple of, of bad choices. But you know what? I what also played into some of the hype that, at least in my mind, with this, this season was – was I I bought the lie, man. I really bought that the defense was going to be better. I really bought that the safeties were going to be better and that the pass rush was going to be better. And and it's really early, and honestly, I'm not ready to give up on the pass rush yet because they only threw the ball like less than 10 times. But I really bought that those kind of just horrendous errors where we let the quarterback run for 75 yards, I was hoping those days were going to be behind us. And uh, maybe they maybe they can still turn it around. I don't know, but I I, I really bought the lie at least so far. Oh, I uh, last week I mentioned having watched that Florida Miami game that I was like, oh yeah, college football is full of turnovers and terrible mistakes and penalties, and we kind of forget that in the off season when we're just talking about the players and their potential, and if the players just lined up and played to the, their highest potential and didn't make mistakes. Missouri wins this game by 50, but that's not how sports work. That's right. definitely not how college football works. And that was, I don't know, I feel like I kind of foreshadowed it a little bit last week when I was talking about that exact thing, and they definitely proved me right in just how horribly things can go, and it's not about just your team's skill versus the other team's skill. Oh, yeah. So we're still at, uh, we're still in the third quarter, I believe and the teams then traded punts oh I, I should mention um i was watching this game at my dad's house and there was a bunch of family over so it was not the, the ideal worst. situation uh, luckily they were all preoccupied with other other activities i just kind of snuck off to go watch the game because i don't have cbs sports network at my house and what sucked is people kept walking in and just seeing the score and looking at me and going what's happening oh my god and i was just like well, first of all, in my head, I'm like, do you really want to go over it all? Because we can do it. <laughs> also, don't talk to me. I'm really mad Just right tell now. them to listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll my, go over it all. I think my wife was kind of like on the couch with me watching the game. And I, I think at some point, obviously to no fault of hers, I was just kind of like, I just want to like be alone. <laughs> like <laughs> my poor wife like just wants to like hang out with me d- during football season. And Share I'm this just, passion with and, you. And, right. And like one thing goes wrong like this and I'm like, oh. Yeah. So, so I actually left at that point oh, and really? just turned on the radio on my drive home, and that's when the following happened: uh, the teams traded punts, and Rashad Floyd had a return of over forty yards uh, in his opportunity that set up Missouri with a really short field and got a nice pass to Albert O. Got them down to the one yard line, and Tyler Beatty punched it in to cut the lead to ten. It was thirty-four twenty-four Wyoming. Then both teams went three and out on their next possessions, but Wyoming was able to get a field goal on their next one with seven minutes left in the game, and that made it 37-24 Wyoming. And this is about the time I got home, and I was able to see 
uh, on my phone because I found a nice stream thanks to Reddit. Uh, I was able to see Missouri get a touchdown with a quick strike to Jonathan Nance. He took it 53 yards for his second touchdown of the game. And they cut it down to six, 37-31 Wyoming. And the comeback was on, and there was plenty of time left, and it looked like, hey, they could maybe actually pull this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really, uh, I think I even tweeted, like, they're really going to, like, bring this back just so we can have a heartbreaking loss. And oh, that's, yeah, that's a kind lot of, of people were kind of echoing those sentiments, like, really one more time you're just gonna do this give us hope yeah yeah it's exactly what happened so uh but i guess it's still good to see that they uh had a little comeback in them i guess if you want to look at it that way i don't know well the the wyoming defense i mean they looked just they looked winded they they looked looked slow in the fourth quarter yeah i mean missouri's offense made quick work of them on this drive and um it really looked like they were going to complete the comeback they got Missouri got the ball back with about two minutes left, drove it down to the Wyoming 20. But then uh, Kelly Bryant took a sack and then threw incomplete passes on third and fourth downs to end the game, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, they really marched down the field. And um, I think Kelly Bryant really kind of had an opportunity to, to, (laughs) I don't know, really not make himself a legend, you know, that we beat Wyoming, but really had a chance to, uh, you know, kind of, make his mark uh pretty quickly turn everything around everything Um, that had happened in the game prior just forget about it all escape with the win right and to be completely honest we never really saw too many of those moments from drew lock where he kind of led us to victory in a final two minute drill or something like that so uh the opportunity was 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 there uh and it didn't happen um but definitely some missed opportunities um there's been some people kind of go back uh and look at those last few plays and I'm really not going to fault Kelly Bryant for some of those missed opportunities. I can't imagine how stressful it would be to be in those uh, in those situations at the end of the game. But definitely had Albert O open on that last play. Um, had Tyler Beatty open on a couple of those last plays, and um, probably had all the wor- had all the room in the world to run um, if he did uh, get the ball there. But speaking of him running, he ended with. Um... 20 yards on the game that was his about his total after the first quarter Mm -hmm. so virtually no running from him after the first quarter yeah and I think he still actually had more carries than Roundtree which I found very interesting and I actually thought this uh during the game that I thought they were kind of using uh Beatty and Roundtree in kind of interesting ways almost sometimes in the opposite way that I think would be natural like in some of the short down uh territory they would use Beatty just for like a run up the middle and I thought that was interesting um but and of course, Larry Roundtree, you know, had the had the very uh, treacherous fumble um, at the goal line, and I'm not sure that he ever really got a chance to redeem himself in the game. And I don't know if that was just because they just felt like Beatty had the hot hand, or if they uh, were punishing Roundtree for his fumble. I don't really know, but I I think I would have liked to see them put the game on Roundtree's back a little bit more um, in that second half. Uh, Barry Odom was asked that in his press conference, I think earlier today and um, or yesterday, and he said that he just they just felt like Beatty was playing better. Yeah, and, and that's why they went with him down the stretch. But he still is confident in uh, Roundtree and says there's no problem there. Yeah, I, I'm maybe he's playing that. Maybe he's uh, telling the truth. I don't really know, but it seemed a little interesting that Roundtree really didn't uh, do anything after his fumble, but. Uh, I do I do actually agree with him that I'm really not worried about Roundtree. I think he's going to bounce back. And if there's anybody on the team that could could bounce back from a bad performance, I really feel like it's him. And uh, 
I think he's a leader in the, in the locker room and on the team. I, I think he's going to be fine. But it definitely – I think I would have liked to see him, um, I don't know, be a bigger part of the game when clearly things were not going well. Speaking of bigger, though, he looked huge, yeah, he like did. physically. He looked he, massive he looked out there. He looked like an Alabama ripped. running back. He did, and I, I think that's, I mean, another thing that just Missouri looked so much more athletic than Wyoming because they are. Yeah, and those, they, long, those long passes to Albert O, Cam Scott, really, Jalen yeah, Knox. They, they really looked completely dominant at times, and um, if you take out, you know, some of these, I mean, I, I, anybody can play this game. Wyoming could could play this game too, but – if you take out some of those just absolutely mind-numbing issues or even just lessen them a little bit, uh, Missouri wins this game easily. And for the most part of the game, you know, they statistically they completely dominated Wyoming in almost every category um, besides maybe rushing. Uh, <clears throat> they just, by the, the eye test, they, they looked completely superior to Wyoming. But it was just those kind of intangible moments, those, those little – uh, mistakes that just breakdowns yeah, yeah just completely uh ruined any chance they had so missouri fell or has fallen now to zero and one and that is the first time they've been zero and one since you already looked but 2016 uh against west virginia they lost i think you were at my house to watch that game and that was one that they really should have won so i if, think if you've listened to this podcast uh since we started it which may not be a whole lot of people uh, you might be aware of the uh, Cameron Kyle curse, um, and can you imagine? We definitely would have thought the curse was back if we, uh, <laughs> if watched, we watched the game, game together. together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely not back though. We definitely there for sure was a curse where any time Kyle and I were watching Missouri in the same room, they just lost, unless we were there watching it in person. Right, which they actually have a very good track record when yep. we're watching in person. But anytime we watched on TV, whether it was football or basketball, they would inevitably lose. But we broke that last season with the Purdue, Purdue game. game. Yep. And barely. <laughs> Maybe the key is Cameron Donovan, producer Cameron. I was there. That's a good point. Interesting. Okay. Well, well we're not going to be able to test it this week because we're going to be in Columbia for the West Virginia game. That's true. Um, but where was I going with that? Yeah, they lost to West Virginia in 2016. Uh, that was the last time they were 0 and 1. So it's kind of rare for Missouri to be 0-1. Uh, they don't usually schedule a top-tier opponent in week one. But unfortunately, they are 0-1 this season. Uh, I was looking kind of at the stats, kind of comparing the first half totals to the end-of-game totals. And Wyoming had about 160 y- total yards in the second half. Uh, compared to Missouri's 250. <laughs> so, I mean, yardage-wise, and especially just those two big big runs, it's just, I think it's hard. I think a defense mentally when they see, obviously something Wyoming was doing was throwing them off their positions mm-hmm. on defense and was creating these opportunities for these huge runs. And when the players see that, that's got to be just like really, I don't know. I don't know how you get through that mentally. And that's what the coaches are for. And it looked like they did that. It looks like the coaches fixed whatever was happening with that misdirection because they didn't really have any huge gashing runs in the second half. But it didn't really matter at that point. Just giving up 27 points in one quarter is just a really weird thing to see on the box score. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess just a couple 
uh, final thoughts I had on the game. Um, What's your, your fire Barry Odom speech? <laughs> I'm not ready to fire Barry Odom yet. I, I really like him. I'm not sure I'm ready to go TJ Moe uh, level uh, in favor of Barry Odom either yet, but um, Barry Odom is going to be the coach here for this whole season, probably no matter what happens, and that's probably how it should be. Um, he got an extension last year, I think, this past offseason, so he, he's the guy for now, whether you like it or not. Um, I hope that he can turn it around and stay here for a long time. I really like the guy. I think he has got a chance to be good here, but there's obviously some very blaring issues uh, that never seem to go away. And one of those things is, is we talked about it last week, is just absolutely mind-numbing to me is why are Barry Odom's teams so bad when they have any time to prepare for games? And I think uh, in Barry Odom's time at Mizzou, I think they're 1-7 uh, when they have two or more weeks to prepare uh, for games. Um, and that's so obviously... So that's like first game of the season, after a bye week, or before a bowl game. Yep. And so their lone win uh, was against Missouri State a couple of years ago, which was still a terrible win. Yeah. So so clearly there, there's something going on. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he needs to totally rethink how they're preparing for games when they've got time to prepare Uh it, I just it's baffling to me and then of course at the end of the year they're really good so what are you doing at the end of the year that you're doing that you're not doing at the beginning um, another thing that I wanted to bring up and obviously this is just one game but uh, Mizzou hired a uh, new coach in the secondary uh, David Gibbs and he has a history of pretty much anywhere he goes his teams are fantastic fantastic at causing turnovers um, and I don't think Wyoming had a single turnover um, in this game correct so they didn't really. Didn't, Missouri had three. They really and didn't. almost four because the lucky bounce that Jonathan Johnson lost the ball oh, and then yeah. it went right back to him. Yeah, uh, they really didn't throw the ball much, so there really wasn't very much opportunity for cornerbacks to make a play. In fact, I barely heard anything about Demarcus Acey, Jarvis Ware. Uh, I really didn't hear anything about those guys, which is probably a good thing in this game. Yeah, I mean Wyoming quarterback was six of sixteen. Yeah, they completed six passes. That's really terrible. Um, <clears throat> so I, that's still going to be something I'm going to watch going forward is is what is Missouri doing to force turnovers that they maybe haven't done in the past because it, it definitely was not there this season. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, pretty much all the other thoughts I'd written down, we, we kind of got out in our in our recap. But there's clearly some issues that have been a part of Barry Odom's teams the whole time he's been here, and they, they've been brought up to him. They have – been oh yeah he's been asked directly he's been asked directly they, they've shown up in every you know in every game to some degree why are they seeing still happening yeah i wonder i mean obviously i remember matchups against south carolina where missouri uh wins the the yardage totals the time of possession you know the numbers look good but they end up losing because of turnovers and special teams so mm-hmm. i mean those two against South Carolina jump out at me. Yeah. Um, I don't know off the top of my head if there's more that kind of fit that mold, but this is definitely very similar to those. Yeah, and then another thing I mentioned earlier that uh, I'll probably keep an eye on going through this year as well is uh, just the, the in-game adversity. How how are the teams going to respond when something bad happens in a game? Um, are we able to, to figure it out? Are we able to, to flip it around and, and recover from it because – that has been a very bad thing in Barry Odom's uh, time here is if one, once one bad thing happens, it snowballs. Yeah. Um, one thing that is good about the way Missouri's schedule is laid out is I think we're going to find out this Saturday, you know, what the response is from the team. Because if, if we were playing SEMO this week, then we wouldn't know anything because right. they'll just be able to roll right through them. 
and win by 25 mm-hmm. and not even have to perform that well. Mm-hmm. Against West Virginia, even though this is gonna, probably going to be a down season by their standards, I mean, I think we'll know everything we need to know. I mean, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but we will learn a lot about this team and how they're going to bounce back with this West Virginia game. Yeah, If they come out and look, well, obviously we'll talk about West Virginia a little bit more in a minute, but if they come out looking crisp and you know not making mistakes and capitalizing on opportunities, then I think we can all kind of breathe a sigh of relief and look forward to the rest of the season. If it's a struggle and it's ugly, lots of turnovers, penalties, big um, big chunk plays given up by the defense, then we won't have anything answered and it's going to look more like a, a down year for Missouri. Yeah. And we'll, we'll preview what, uh, West Virginia here in a little bit, but I, I do want to say just for the sake of kind of what's happening right now in our season, um, I, I really do think that Missouri is going to bounce back and I think they're going to beat West Virginia. And <clears throat> even spoiler if they, alert. Yeah, spoiler alert, even if they do beat West Virginia and, and they roll SEMO, um, I still, I still think that we'll, we'll learn that this team can be resilient, but I still don't know that we're at, we're out of it yet. You know, I still have a long season to go and, and a lot of opportunities, uh, but I'm still not going to be sold that this team has has fixed its issues yet, but it'll definitely make me feel better if we can win these next two games. Yeah, I think something to keep in mind, and uh, I think Drew Locke himself brought this up last season, is two years ago, after six games, Missouri was 1-5. and five. Last season, they were 3-1. and one. I mean, sorry, 3-3. Three and three. If they can, with, with their next five games being at home, if they can come out of that with a better record than last year, then the way this team plays down the stretch historically would lead us to believe that they're going to have a better record overall. So it sets up really well for Missouri to, you know, be potentially five and one after six games, which would be huge. And then instead of talking about the Wyoming game as the thing that uh, was kind of the canary in the coal mine that should have tipped us off to this abysmal season, we're looking back at the Wyoming game as, Oh, man, what a missed opportunity. Why didn't they have it figured out in week one? Right. We'd be undefeated. So, and of course, there's room in between those two extremes, but I think it the way the schedule is set up. Still very favorable. Yes. Good opportunity for Missouri. And speaking of the schedule, I was looking back, I couldn't help but be reminded of the 2014 season when Missouri lost at home to Indiana. I, we've talked about that several mm-hmm. times because you and I were both in attendance, even though we didn't know it. And that team still went on to win 11 games, if you count the bowl win against Minnesota. Yeah. And they lost to an Indiana team that did not make a bowl game. I think they won four games that season and then got steamrolled by Georgia at home (laughs) 34-0. Yep. You could be looking at a very similar situation this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure, throw in uh, a loss in one of these other close games that they had that season. But, I mean nine and three still very much on the table even if you just get even if you're not in the same class as georgia and you just get destroyed by them i mean the way the sec east is and kind of the sec as a a whole you've got teams at the top and then you got everybody else yeah yeah i mean it's definitely uh optimistic but but a fair point definitely and i actually had the same thought about the indiana game when i was watching this wyoming game is uh, this isn't an SEC game. This is not have a, this is not reflect the SEC standings at all. Obviously, you want to win every game you can, especially against a non-power five opponent. But this is not going to kill Missouri season. And uh, 
based on you know record alone or or based on the SEC standings. It, it, it's really not going to probably have that huge of an impact. I really don't think Missouri was going to the college football playoff, whether they won this game or not. Um, it's a really long season, and I, I think that, like we've said, that this the schedule is very favorable. There's a lot of opportunities to bounce back. I think Missouri is going to be fine. I still think they, like you said, can win eight or nine games. I'm glad that we are in agreement there, although it may make for a boring podcast. I feel like one of us should be, I don't know, like hashtag Fireberry Odom. I think we can still. That would I, be way off brand for I mean, this podcast. It, it would be way off brand, but I, I still want to make it clear that there's there's some there's some issues like we said that and we're I'm not happy about you know I'm I'm pretty ticked off that that we just lost to Wyoming don't get me wrong um, it's not all sunshine and rainbows it's it's been very very disappointing um, but I I do want to you know try to have a positive outlook and, and think that we can bounce back I'm gonna be pretty nervous uh, at the beginning of the game on Saturday I'm gonna be anxious man <laughs> I I agree. All right, I think we're good on that recap. We got all of our feelings out. Um, we can f- we can move on from this terrible loss and look forward to the rest of the season. And we will start that off with some news. Um, first off, we'll just continue with the bad news. Antonio Doyle decommitted from Missouri. Yeah, that one really stings. Um, considering I, I really did think that at one point when he committed that he was going to stick. Um, I was probably naive to think that in recruiting, it, anything can happen in recruiting, man. And, and this this big of a recruit, he may have just kind of gotten caught up in the visit and maybe has had, had time to reflect on it um, and change his mind. But I, I think he's definitely gone. He's probably a Texas A&M lock with his, uh, going with his buddies. And uh, it's going to hurt, man, but it's, it's going to happen. So at least we can be prepared for it. <laughs> Yeah, we went from having him with the potential of uh, his buddies that you alluded to, uh, to he's gone and they and are, they're going with him. Yeah, yep. And I think those others are Dante Manning and I can't remember the other guy's me neither uh, name off the top of my head. But so yeah, that that definitely is going to sting. Um, but that is Missouri football for you. <laughs> uh, side note: uh, at where I work, I saw a little kid this weekend walking around with uh, kind of the standard black number one mizzou jersey and i just wanted to go up to him and be like just just go be a fan of somebody else just why get out while you still <laughs> can yourself. go just become an alabama fan nobody will care just do it while while you still can and just save yourself the heartbreak sometimes i've wondered like man it'd be nice that if i just was born in like oklahoma and grew up an oklahoma fan and like every game i ever watched my team won man it'd be nice yeah you just get the top players just yeah even if you're bad every year yeah yeah. it doesn't matter anyway back to news uh it was kind of an interesting last few days for former missouri tigers in the nfl uh it didn't really go well for anybody as teams were kind of cutting down to their final rosters but a bunch of guys signed with various practice squads um I'll go through them here real quick, and you let me know if there's any surprises or anything. Paul Adams signed with the Cleveland Browns practice squad. Terry Beckner Jr. and Emmanuel Hall both signed with the Buccaneers practice squad. Demaria Crockett was cut by the Houston Texans, but was picked up by the Oakland Raiders for their practice squad. Therese Hall, same situation with the Patriots. And Kendall Blanton made the Rams practice squad. 
Um, the only other thing I have here is that the Saints cut veteran defensive lineman Ziggy Hood. He had been in the NFL for, for quite a few years. So I don't know what that means for his career, but uh, not a similar situation because he has already spent several seasons in the NFL. Yeah, I wasn't really surprised by anything here. It would have been nice to maybe see Terry Beckner Jr. make the roster in Tampa Bay, and then obviously Demaria Crockett was a surprise to me. <clears throat> With everything that's happened in Houston, I really thought that he had a pretty good shot of making the roster. So um, all these guys still making practice squad, I mean, that's still an opportunity to be seen and to play and have reps with the team. So uh, and a lot of them worse. will be first man up if there is an injury. Yeah. You know, being on the practice squad, you got your foot in the door to maybe have a spot on the roster if something happens. Yeah. That's all I really have for news. Oh, sorry, I missed one. Uh, Missouri got a commitment from Columbia native defensive end Jalen Logan Redding. Yeah, that'll uh, not a huge surprise. I think he may have probably he's probably been committed to Mizzou, maybe a silent commit for a little while. Uh, still good to uh, to make it official, I guess. Well, as official as it can get, and before signing day. But yeah, um, yeah he's he's a, he's a really solid player. Had a lot of uh, offers from other Power Five schools. So. Um, a guy who's in demand in a, a, a position of massive need for the Tigers. Did I miss anything newsworthy? Nailed it. All right. So last week we debuted a little game centered around the college football playoff. Uh, we all three of us drafted teams of teams that we think have a good shot of ending up in the final four at the end of the season. None of those teams lost this week. Um, we do have the option to change out a team, uh, pick one up off of waivers, if you will. I'll run through everybody's rosters real quick. Um, I have Clemson, LSU, Michigan, Notre Dame. Kyle has Alabama, Georgia, Texas, and Utah. Producer Cameron has Oklahoma, Ohio State, Florida, and Washington. You uh, actually have Notre Dame. <laughs> well... <laughs> Yeah, Notre Dame all the way. Uh, Producer Cameron, you have a first option this week if you would like to switch out any of your squads. I would not. Producer Cameron is standing pat. That gives it to Kyle. I am also standing pat. And I'll make it all three of us. And that was the whole segment. Oh, fun. <laughs> we'll see if uh, any of these teams can lose and spice things up a little bit i think uh texas and lsu play each other this weekend yeah. so yeah. there's gonna be some shakeup. we're gonna pick that game in a little bit oh so. great uh before we do that let's talk week two versus the west virginia mountaineers we've said it about 50 times in the last three weeks we're gonna be in attendance <laughs> at this game uh i don't know if we're all gonna wear missouri sports podcast gear but at least one of us will so you can come say hi if you see us um First things first, let's talk week two depth chart. Was there anything noteworthy on that that you know of? Uh, I think there was one small thing. Oh, Aubrey Miller Jr. Uh, is apparently hurt. He has a knee injury. That's I think he only played a few snaps, but uh, somewhere in the game he hurt his knee, uh, so he's going to be out for a little while. So uh, Cameron Wilkins is a redshirt freshman, I believe, is going to move into the backup spot behind Nick Bolton. Um, so not a huge thing there, but obviously Aubrey, Aubrey Miller had been shown showing some promise, so definitely never a good thing to see <clears throat> a guy like that go down. Uh, the other thing is Trajan Jeffcoat might be able to uh, make a appearance this weekend. I think they're still probably going to say probably not, but it would be good to get him back as soon as possible. 
All right. So West Virginia Mountaineers. Um, last year they went eight and four, had six wins in the Big Twelve, but they replaced their head coach. He left to take the job at Houston, and they replaced their starting quarterback. Um, quarterback Austin Kendall transferred in from Oklahoma, and if that doesn't sound like a quarterback from Oklahoma, Austin Kendall sounds like uh, Oklahoma or Baylor. Uh, I hate him already. Yeah, it sounds like a Big Twelve quarterback is what it sounds like. Uh, they also uh, Are lost you generalizing. A few. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm generalizing based off of his name alone. Uh, they lost a few key players on the offensive line, and they are replacing them with underclassmen that kind of showed in their Week One win against James Madison. Uh, they are one and zero because they beat James Madison twenty to thirteen. Now, before you laugh too much about them struggling a bit with James Madison, I believe that they are kind of a big deal in the FCS ranks. Uh, they've been kind of uh, making noise in the in the FCS playoffs the last few years, so maybe a little bit tougher team than you realize. Yeah. Um, we've talked about it uh, before that West Virginia is probably going to have a little bit of a down season this year. they got a ton of question marks pretty much all over the field with guys that they're going to have to replace. Uh, but I expect their quarterback to actually be pretty good. Um, I think he, he really is a, a talented passer and could torch us if we're not carry, if we're not careful this weekend. Obviously, uh, Missouri's defense has a tendency to get beat in every way possible. So uh, I would not be surprised if he kind of lights us up a little bit this weekend. Uh, even if we still win, uh, I think he's going to have a good game. I think he still uh, – they didn't score very many points this past weekend, but I think he still had two touchdown passes that were over 20 yards. So definitely a capable passer. Yeah, in week one he was super inefficient though, um, 27 of 42 for 260 yards and two touchdowns. But uh, I just watched the highlights of that game, and he was making some really nice throws. Yeah. Like, And against one-on-one coverage, he was just going for it every time. So, obviously, the receivers didn't catch every one of those balls, but um, if Missouri thinks they're going to be able to just put their defensive backs kind of out on islands, he's going to target those guys every single time. So they are either going to have to step up or um, provide some help over the top. Yeah, I think this, <clears throat> I think this game is going to be almost a complete opposite of last week's matchup with Wyoming because Wyoming obviously wanted to run the ball and almost run the ball completely, um, only completing six passes. So we really didn't hear much from our cornerbacks last week, uh, but our D-line got completely gashed by kind of their running misdirection game. This weekend, however, is almost completely opposite in the way that I think the cornerbacks are going to play a very large role in, like you said, kind of those one-on-one matchups because this quarterback is going to go for it every time. They only rushed for like 30 or 40 yards last week. They don't. They have virtually no running game, which against Missouri, who knows. But uh, I, I really think they're going to probably try to do the complete opposite of what Missouri saw last week. So that the, the defensive ends that maybe didn't play a huge role last uh, week in putting pressure on the quarterback is going to be huge this weekend. So that's when we'll maybe see if there's been improvement or not much improvement there. And they definitely got a good opportunity because, like I said, uh, West Virginia loses some key players on the offensive line. So they're really young there and inexperienced. Um, and that's the problem with their running game in week one. I mean, they have some talented running backs. They, they've got three or four guys that are Division one caliber running backs, but the offensive line was really struggling against James Madison. Um, like you alluded to, they ran the ball. Their, their running backs carried the ball 21 times for 34 yards, which is just That's abysmal. horrible. Yeah. 
And then um, James Madison was also able to make some plays in the backfield uh, with eight tackles for loss, and two of those were sacks. So um, uh, I think it's it's a really good opportunity for the Missouri defensive line to kind of flex a little bit and show that they're not going to get pushed around this week like they did last week. Mm -hmm. And really, West Virginia kind of did the same thing that Wyoming did against Missouri and just capitalized off of turnovers, not quite as well as uh, Wyoming did, but they turned James Madison over three times, one interception and two forced fumbles that they recovered. So they were opportunistic. So if Missouri opens that door for them by being sloppy, then they'll take advantage of it very willingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, hopefully seeing a, a big game from the defensive line, like you mentioned. Uh, obviously, Jordan Elliott was <clears throat> massive at the beginning of the Wyoming game, looked completely dominant and then kind of disappeared. Uh, you know, there's other guys, you know, Kobe Whiteside and uh, Akil Byers. Some of those guys are just kind of warm bodies um, in this past game. You know, they they played a ton of snaps, you know, 60, 70 snaps, and I don't know that I recall seeing any of them really make a tackle or anything like that. So, um, and I'm just kind of almost excusing the defensive ends a little bit from last game just because of the way Wyoming's offense was. But it'll be great uh, to see some of those guys hopefully uh, show up and make some plays this weekend. All right, so let me hear kind of your keys to the game. You've given us a little bit of insight on the uh, defensive line. Uh, Maybe give us something that you're looking for out of Missouri's offense, and then go ahead and give me your prediction, if you would. Yeah, I think uh, West Virginia's defense is really pretty average. Um, I think we're going to probably be able to do do similar things that we did against Wyoming uh, through the air. Uh, I think we're going to try to run the ball more. I think uh, hopefully Larry Roundtree has a bigger impact on this game. Um, <clears throat> I, I really still I love Tyler Beatty, though. I still love uh, what he brings to the offense, kind of just a different uh, look to the offense. Um, so, I, But I think that's really the main thing I'm, I'm going to look for is is how is Larry Roundtree uh, impact the game. And I guess I'll throw in uh, Albert O as well because um, he almost had a touchdown uh, catch that would have been huge this past weekend but got waved off so um, definitely those two impact players I want to see how they're uh, implemented this weekend yeah I think with Roundtree it'll be really nice if Missouri doesn't just go from being ahead to being in a hole in about five minutes of game time because that definitely affected the running game and you gotta hope that in a more normal game with those without those weird swings that they're gonna be a little bit more balanced and just feed Roundtree a little bit more. Yeah, that's true. So what are you thinking for this one? I'm going to predict that Missouri uh, rebounds and wins this game. Uh, I'm going to say 34 to 28. Pretty close one. I hope we see a good game. Um, Missouri's favored by Vegas, according to ESPN, by 15 and a half. Or sorry, 13 and a half. I've seen as high as 15 and a half. That's um, kind of crazy, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um I do think that it'll be maybe a similar score to the Wyoming game with Missouri coming out on top. Um, yeah, 37-31 was the score there. That's pretty close to what you're predicting. Just add three points to either squad. Um, I think Missouri will, will score a little bit more. I think they'll get it figured out on offense, not have the turnovers. I think they'll score 41, and I think they'll give up 31. So I got 41-31 Missouri. 
I, I, part of that's just hoping that the offense figures it out and obviously doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah. <clears throat> even if it's even, if the turnover battle is even, I feel like Missouri can win this one. Yeah, I think the turnovers will balance out. I think they'll probably be a few less big plays. They still had a lot of big plays against Wyoming. Uh, I think they'll probably be – I think both those things will kind of regress to the mean a little bit. All right, so we're both predicting wins. Hopefully that starts a home winning streak of about five games or so. And uh, we'll be there to see it. So that looks good. Let's move on to producer Cameron's favorite game, SEC Pick'em plus Nebraska. Kyle has jumped out to an early lead in season two of this game. Uh, he's up five points to four. The way the scoring works is we just pick uh, a handful of games from the SEC slate. We just pick who we think is going to win. We don't worry about the point spread. However, if you pick an upset and get it right, you get a bonus point. So last week, neither one of us got any bonus points. Uh, we both missed on Ole Miss. I really wanted to pick Memphis in that one, but since you went with the upset, I kind of felt like I needed to keep pace. And we both missed on South Carolina, and I thought we were good on that one for a yeah, long time. I thought South Carolina actually looked good. North uh, Carolina pulled on. it out. Yeah. And we were both correct with Kentucky, Alabama, and Georgia, and Nebraska. And you got your point on me by picking Auburn when I picked Oregon. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm out to the I'm, I got out to the comfortable five to four lead. So hopefully I don't pull a Missouri and and let you uh, have a 27 point second second quarter. That might happen. I got some picks up my sleeve here. All right. Uh, we are only picking six games this week, and as uh, I think of it, producer Cameron, we have to talk about something real quick. Uh, we also had a little side action going with Nebraska and their point spread against USA. Yeah. Um. The spread was like 34, 36 and a half, I think. even worse than I thought. <laughs> uh, and I said, give me the underdog and the points for $5. You said, sounds like a deal. Yes. And they won by how much? Not 36. I think it was only, I think it was what, 14? 14, I think. Yeah. It was, it hovered around 14 for most of the game. Mm -hmm. So that is $5 uh, coming towards me <laughs> yep. anything you, you want to say congratulations about yeah you may get it back uh well, the one that uh, you're referring to i believe is the uh end of the regular season win total and nebraska is now up one game on missouri in that one correct so we'll see what happens but don't spend my five bucks all right i'll need it back i'll hold on to it i'll keep it safe <laughs> okay so this week, we've got some picks to do, to make. Uh, we'll start it off with Vanderbilt, who is... I got to double check that. That doesn't look right. I have them as a seven-point favorite at Purdue, but I'm questioning that as I read it. This is an interesting matchup. Um, <clears throat> this is like the battle of two mediocre teams that both have two... that both have outstanding running backs. Um Vanderbilt has Keyshawn Vaughn, and uh, who might be one of the best running backs in the SEC, and Purdue has Rondale Moore, who might be one of the best playmakers in the uh, Big Ten. Actually, he might be a wide receiver. I don't know. Either way, they, both these mediocre teams have one like fantastic uh, playmaker uh, that'll be interesting to watch. Purdue's favored by seven, not Vanderbilt. Okay, I was actually about to predict. I was actually uh, going to pick the upset of Purdue, but that might change <laughs> That's things. That's not an upset anymore. Um, Purdue favored by a touchdown at home. 
I'm I'm gonna pick Vanderbilt in this one. I'm gonna pick the upset. All right. All right, Kyle picks Vandy. I'm going to stick with the home team, Purdue. So already we could see a point uh, swing here. Uh, next up, we've got a really big matchup between number 12, Texas A&M, at number one, Clemson. Clemson is favored by 17.5 points. Um, you know, Texas A&M might be a pretty good team this year, uh, but I think I'm still going to uh, take Clemson here. Yeah, I'm taking Clemson as well. Um, it's kind of a double double dip for me because I've got them in the college football playoff game. That is true. All right. Now, next up, I wanted to include this one especially so that we can uh, maybe take a shot or two at a certain fan base. We have the Tennessee Volunteers, a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against BYU. Uh, yeah, I would love to take a shot at Tennessee, uh, except I don't know that I should be throwing stones right now, considering my <laughs> not, team just lost to Wyoming. Maybe not qualified for that maybe right? next at week. the moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm actually going to take BYU in this game. I'll do the same thing. That Maybe that's uh, the only shot we need to take, is just predicting them to lose. All right, so uh, the game of the week in college football is number six, LSU, at number nine, Texas. LSU, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to take Texas here. Throw I up. don't want to take Texas here, but I'm going to do it. Uh, I think they're just a little bit more round, more well-rounded than LSU. Uh, LSU's defense is probably a little superior, but I, I really just – I don't love LSU's offense. Uh, I, I think I think it's better than. Does maybe anybody it has. ever like LSU's offense? It's better offense. than it has been in the last few years, but I think uh, I unfortunately am very high on Texas this year. Ugh, that's a terrible thing to be. Um, if we're talking point spread, I like Texas as the six and a half point underdog, but I'm going to pick LSU to win this one. Really, really close game. And yeah, that'll be a fun one. And again, I, think, I have them on my college football playoff squad. I think that's a night game, too, so we'll probably be able to watch that one. Um, now we have Arkansas at Ole Miss. Ole Miss, a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Uh, two teams that looked pretty terrible in week one, uh, even man. though Arkansas won. I guess I'll just take Ole Miss, even though I like just hate both these teams, honestly. It's even just... Like as far as their football ability goes, they, yeah. Thinking both about terrible. either one of these teams winning a game is like I don't, I don't see how that happens, but yeah. I guess one of them has to. I guess I'll just take Ole Miss because they're at home. I guess I'm gonna have to play it safe and stick with you on that one. I'd like those upset points, but I just don't have confidence in Arkansas whatsoever. And that leaves us with Nebraska, and this should be a really good game. They are actually the favorite. Uh, by four points on the road at Colorado. So first, let's hear producer Cameron give his case for why Nebraska is going to win this game. Revenge. <laughs> that's all. That's all they need. Yeah, that's all they need. Hopefully, because last year they shouldn't have lost, and they did. Now they're coming back. Okay. Uh, he likes them to knock off Colorado on the road. Wow. Shocker. Um. You know, I'm re- I'm actually really split on this one. I don't know. Have have I picked all? Of th- I think I've said my my pick first on like all of these. So yeah, I think it's your turn. I'll to take go Colorado first. at home. Okay, underdog points. Give them to me. Um. Okay, I'll go Nebraska. Oh, throw up again. 
I know. Let it be known, I'm, Kyle is picking Texas and Nebraska to win games in the same week. But I still picked BYU to beat Tennessee, so I didn't pick all of my mortal enemies. That's true. All right, so definitely a possibility for uh, some separation in the standings. Yes, after absolutely. This week. Well, now that that is done, I think uh, that's a whole show's worth of talking. Yeah, I got lots of talking in. Um, I guess just to uh, put a bow on this on this episode. Um, really looking forward. Fireberry Odom. Fireberry Odom after the season if they still suck, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, I'm really looking for. I I didn't. I'm gonna be honest. After the Wyoming game, I'm just like, I just felt so awful. I'm like this. Like I I definitely part of me wanted to be like, well, there goes the season. Uh, like all of you knuckleheads on Twitter, but um, I don't know. I I, I found myself coming back slowly to my normal optimistic self and. I am once again starting to gain some excitement about this weekend, and it could because it's just another opportunity for uh, for Missouri to bounce back. And I, I think that we're gonna, like you said earlier, learn a lot about this team this weekend, um, and just kind of see how they respond to this game to game adversity. Um, but I I really do think that they're gonna be okay. Um, one one week of the season really in college football does not have a lot of effect on the next week. It seems that. It's just anybody can beat anybody um, in college football unless you're like Alabama or Clemson or something. So, um, yeah, I it's uh, it was disappointing, but I, I think we're going to be fine. Can we check in on our uh, poll real quick? Before oh, the show yes. started, we put out a poll asking specifically about the followers' attendance at this game uh, against West Virginia. Yeah, I meant to uh, actually mention this at the beginning of the episode, and I didn't. But, uh, yeah, like you said, I, I kind of wanted to just see – um, what everybody was, if their plans changed, I guess, for this weekend, um, just kind of based on uh, last week's loss. So um, looks like it's been up for about an hour. We have 140 votes so far. Uh, and the three options were uh, that you had planned to go to the game and that after last week's loss, you are now not going. Uh, the second option is you're still planning to go. And the third option was you never planned to go at any point. So it looks like uh, the 12% of the vote is that uh, they were going and now they're not. Boo. 51% of uh, responders said they are still planning to go. Yay. And 37% said they never planned to go. That's fine. You have that option. So honestly, <laughs> honestly, the, the 12%, I think, is uh, I'm pretty happy with that number. I thought it might be a little bit worse, to be honest. Uh, at least if I would have put this poll out maybe like three or four days ago, it might have been worse. I only ask that you sell your tickets cheap so some lucky person can go to the game that wants to. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I like to. How long did you let it? How uh, long I think is the poll? Twenty-four gonna, hours. I okay. Think. Yeah. Cool. So, so we'll see how it how it ends up. But uh, yeah, I, immediately since we've been doing this podcast, when the way uh, the fate of the actual team on the field, I think probably anybody that talks about the teams would say that that has a little bit of an effect on viewership listenership readership so um, hopefully everybody sticks with us i think we uh, covered the games ins and outs pretty well and uh, can have a realistic but maybe also optimistic look at the rest of the season as we are wont to do here on this podcast um other than that uh, i think that's the show yes thank you very much for listening uh despite a interesting week um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 
We're on Twitter, at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week after a win.